everyone we are back with another episode of next step podcast and today i am very excited to have umar mirza uh, on my podcast uh, dr umar mirza to be more specific uh, he is a practicing psychiatrist in the united states and the reason he is here i'm not going to talk about the medicine medical profession with him per se we will talk about comic books because he ha- in his i don't know if you can call it an alter ego or sort of part time he does comic he makes comics books as well uh, welcome to the podcast umar thank you fatma thank you for having me here i'm so uh, humbled and uh, uh, grateful to to be with you and and to discuss my interests so let's start off uh, the first question is going to be a very typical one i'm pretty sure you have uh, given your part of the desi community you must have heard this many times in different variations uh science and art are not really seen as something that coexist they are usually seen as you are either into the science world or you're into the art world how did this combination came about yeah no it, this is this is a really uh interesting question and and one that i love to answer because this was something i myself wrestled with you know i growing up in a desi family and and um learning that there's some traditional careers that that we are guided to uh art was never something that i saw compatible with the science or mathematics those traditional fields of uh, study and um so when i was growing up i had a very strong interest in art but also a equally strong interest in science and 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 uh, mathematics and and i felt that these were two polar opposites um the more i studied both of these and and the further i got in my career i realized that that was actually uh, i think a mistake to think that these two things are separate that, that that divide i think is artificial i mean if you look at some of our greatest uh scientific minds like da vinci da vinci was also one of our most phenomenal artists and i think uh, if you even look at the neuroscience behind this that the artistic brain and the scientific brain are not uh separate and and for some reason that these these two disciplines have been artificially divided um and i think that that's probably due to a lot of like the economics of how each of these fields is is compensated and so while i understand people might say oh you know science and math are not or sorry sorry science and art are not compatible they are absolutely i think compatible and it, and um you know interestingly enough it's something that i've come back to now um in my role as a as a physician uh, i teach at the medical school and and one of our core courses in the first year of of uh, medical school is actually called the art and science of medicine and even though the students are not explicitly taught drawing and painting they're taught that science and medicine is really an art it's an art form it's it's practiced and it's not uh something that just lives in textbooks and so for me the idea that these two things are separate i think it, it fails to really understand them and and when you see a good Uh, a good uh, physician or a good uh, uh, architect or engineer they think like an artist a lot of what they do is creativity and they visualize things and they and they uh, put together things and a lot of what they do is is a, is almost a performance in many ways and so um when you think about it and when you really get to the highest level of those fields it becomes art and so i think it's a it's it's really important for us to remember this that that these two cannot exist separately they they really are two parts of the same thing that's a very interesting way to you know put it because uh, i didn't uh, think of it as you know a specific art form when we talk about sciences 
I have recently, with uh, some recent experiences, I've realized that even sciences need to have a very human element into it. And I think that also connects uh, to having that artistic side uh, to yourself. Yeah. Uh, so and I mean, even to flip on this, you know, people sometimes dismiss art, but art is very scientific. You can't go there without any sort of rules and fundamentals. There are fundamentals. There's, you know, if you look at the way colors are mixed, there's so much science behind that. There's science behind the the way that things appeal, symmetry, shapes. These are all science. And, and even, you know, our performance of, of let's say, in, in sort of like um, acting or singing. I mean, music is math. If you don't appreciate the connection, then you don't really understand the field. And so I think that when people look at artists, and they say, oh, they don't really study any fundamentals or principles. They just go and do things, you know, and that really fails to understand the, the amount of the knowledge and and um, a theory that those, uh, you know, uh, artists have really uh, spent their life studying and accumulating, you know. And so I think that um, and if you look at the amount of work you have to put in to become a, a, a fantastic artist or a good physician, it's no different. It's just slightly different in terms of the focus, but, you know, the same attitude that you apply to, let's say, study for your, your, um, you know, USMLEs, and, you know, to become a physician. And if you put that same effort behind understanding uh, music theory, it's, the, you know, it's, it's ultimately, you know, very much the same thing. So I don't think that art is any easier than, than science or science any harder than art. They're all, you know, uh, fields of study. And, and I think that it's important for us to not minimize either one. Uh, so just share how um, you get got into comic books, specifically this form. Yeah. Obviously, uh, we were talking about art and obviously storytelling is something that you can find and, you know, connect to in any field. But how did uh, you got attracted to this very specific form of storytelling? And when it, where did it started? And uh, you can elaborate on that, but the characters you portray, obviously, when we talk about comic books, for our generation, the more specific point of reference is maybe, uh, you know, all that Marvel universe sort of aspect, Marvel and DC comics. And if you want to do it more humane side of it, the Archie comics. So the one you have come up with a very different and very culturally uh, connected uh, storytelling through uh, this uh, your comic book series. So just share how did that sort of came yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I grew up in Ohio, which is, if you're familiar with the United States, kind of in the center of it. So you think of a, a very traditional um, uh, American youth in that I was exposed to comic books through a friend who had got a large shipment of, of, of actually manga and anime from his cousin in, in, in Japan. And, uh, you know, I think I was probably maybe nine or 10 at the time. And, you know, you saw these amazing uh, arts and these drawings and then these stories and and when we flipped through each one of them it just you know transported you into a world that you had never seen before and so that was just so captivating it was electrifying to kind of be a part of that and my friend said here I'll give you one for free and that it just started the sort of love affair with comics and then from there I started to get more into comics you know they sold them in the grocery store in in many of our stores. So when my mom would be going and, and shopping for groceries, I would run to the part of the store where they had all the comic books in, in, in the uh, shelves and just spent, you know, the entire time she was at the store looking through each of these comics and seeing superheroes and the colors and, and all the action. And so that really, again, continued to sort of 
um, inspire that sort of desire to escape into these fantasy worlds. And so um, naturally then I continued in this, and mind you, this was far before the Marvel Cinematic Universe came out. So, you know, this was pre uh, even Blade, if you wanna uh, talk about the movies. And so at this time, it really wasn't popular, say, you know, broadly popular to, to be really into the, these types of characters. Um, but uh, it was like something I continued to kind of collect and be involved with as a kid. Uh, but what was absent at the time, and I didn't really appreciate this, was there was nobody who looked like me in the comic book. Um, and so a lot of times I would identify with the white character, you know, Superman, Batman. But, you know, it wasn't until I got much older and particularly, you know, post 9-11 that it became very apparent to me that this doesn't represent me. You know, I think, you know, we lived in, a, in America, particularly we lived in sort of a sheltered um, existence pre 9-11 where we thought, OK, having migrated to the United States, my parents and being born here, that I was automatically considered American in the way that any other American was considered. But I think the uh, othering of Pakistanis, particularly, or anybody who was, who was Muslim, didn't become very obvious until post 9-11. And then it was very clear that it was us versus them in, 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 in many of, uh, of our situations. And so then the absence of characters that look like you became very apparent. You started to notice more and more that, hey, I'm, I don't look like this. And people don't look at me like they look at Bruce Wayne or sort of Clark Kent that, you know, I, somebody who looks like me could never be a Clark Kent um, or, you know, who is the alter ego of Superman. And so this, um, this started to kind of ignite this idea that I need to, to see more characters like myself. And at that time, you know, that was uh, 2001. And so still way before I had had any sort of real uh, attempt to make comics, but then in about 2014, 2015, you know, after I had finished medical school and was looking to start my residency, it became clear to me that, you know, um, this passion for comics, something that I'd always dreamed about doing one day, um, it could either happen then or never. You know, at that point, I was like, I'm about to become even more deeply invested in this medical career. And if I don't try to scratch this itch before I'm fully in that, uh, I may never do it again. And so I took a leap of faith and I said, okay, let's make a comic book. And, and immediately, you know, I was thinking through ideas of what I might want to do. And it was, it was so fundamentally obvious to me that it had to be centered and focused on people who represented my identity. So Pakistanis in particular, who are noticeably absent in comics. Now, you know, we're blessed uh, because right the same year that uh, I had sat down to start penning this book, uh, G. Willow Wilson and Son of Monet at Marvel put out uh, or had started to announce the, the sort of a uh, start of uh, Miss Marvel, who was, you know, the first Pakistani American uh, uh, Marvel superhero. And so it was good timing in that, like, you know, I think there was more appetite for this. And um, so, you know, while hers was a distinctly modern character kind of inserted into sort of um, the environment of America, I recognized that the story I wanted to tell was a sort of distinctly different, which represented more of the um, Pakistan that my parents kind of left. Granted, my parents were not alive during the Mughals, but I wanted to re represent sort of like um, a romanticized renaissance of what the Muslim world, particularly in the Indus Valley, could look like and what it could produce. Uh, in many of the ways, you know, we see these romanticized King Arthur and sort of this very Eurocentric history 
um, there's a real absence of, of uh, you know, that type of historical fantasy centered in, in the Indus Valley. And so, you know, while we think of, you know, the Europeans as a sort of like the Renaissance and, you know, at the time, uh, we were way ahead of them in terms of creating culture and, and art. And, and I think um, also what was important for me was not to show a, a sort of a very American aesthetic because we've seen New York City in, in sort of many different facets. You know, in Spider-Man, New York City is the sort of background. Even you could argue Metropolis where Superman and sort of a lot of his work is done is basically a, a New York City. Batman functions in a Gotham city, which is, again, very reminiscent of sort of like a New York or a very Western um, uh, sort of uh, um, downtown. But you don't see any of the settings of the other parts of the world aside from the far, far east. And so I said, hey, look, I want to take something into a time period, which was probably our most productive and, and, and beautiful and show an aesthetic that was very distinctly um, us. And so that's why I picked the Mughals, uh, you know, and I thought that that was a nice setting in terms of showing what a Muslim empire could really accomplish and show all the different, you know, interactions with non-Muslims at that time, uh, as well as, you know, um, the car arts and culture of our, our, our area. So, you know, the clothing, the fabrics, the textiles, the foods, you know, I wanted to be really immersed in that environment. So that way, in addition to seeing somebody with our skin color, you could actually see the environment that they were uh, existing in. And I thought that is a great way to breed some understanding and fondness for, you know, communities that had historically sort of been neglected. If you look at what media can do, and, and I'll try to wrap this up in a second. But, you know, if you look at what media can do, media can really bring um, familiarity and uh, appreciation for stories and communities that have often been sort of sidelined or misunderstood. And I think the best example of this uh, in sort of the um, West is, is how the LGBTQ community really, you know, with some, uh, I think, really positive uh, uh, characters in their media, had sort of brought a new understanding and, 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 and empathy for the situation that they've been in. And I think that what we've failed to do, and not intentionally, but post 9-11, all the media that you see about Muslims has been overwhelmingly negative and, and sort of structured around the idea of terrorism. And so, you know, you Google um, India for say, you know, it was a sort of thought experiment. I said, Google India once. And you Google India and you see beautiful pictures of Dodge and elephants and holy. You Google Pakistan and you see fighter jets, you know, Taliban and all these like images that seem very negative. And there's not really much difference short of a, you know, sort of a border that they, why would the images be so vastly different? You don't see that like swath, you don't see, you know, the Northern areas, the, the, you know, you don't see Basant in the Google image search. You see these like horribly, uh, you know, scary images. And I said that alone just tells you what has been happening in terms of sort of the media um, uh, sort of, I guess, battle, quote, quote unquote. And so for me, it was very important to put something out there that would maybe contribute to new imagery that might change that perception, particularly post 9-11. So that's where I was at. And then, um, you know, being a psychiatrist, I'm obviously very interested in, in, in uh, stories, people's uh, motivations, their histories, and how those contribute to, to sort of the choices that they make. And so, um, you know, creating 
I would say dynamic characters that uh, are more in depth and, and um, uh, you know, allow you to become familiar with the different types of people that might come from our region was, was an important part for me. So that's, that's sort of the long story of, of, of the genesis of the, the comic. That's very interesting because as you said, and I totally agree that I think we need to take ownership of our culture, our diversity, because uh, if you go and take a deep dive into our cultural history, uh, we were diverse way before the Western world actually understood, I would say the concept. Uh, yeah. the entire this colonization process when they came in and a lot of things that now our culture is associated with as saying that you know no this is wrong that these these are taboos they were basically introduced by them when they were here and ruling us they were very much originally part of our culture and you're very very much right with the example you gave between obviously india and pakistan uh you also see the reinforcement in hollywood movies i mean they're speaking, showing Pakistan, but speaking Arabic, and we don't know Arabic other than outside. Most most of us <laughs> don't know Arabic outside uh, the Quran. So yeah. I think, and, and I think, as you said, you know, it's not deliberate. But uh, I would I blame our community in itself, be it in America or anywhere, even in Pakistan, that we haven't really pushed or made an effort into telling our stories. We yeah. let other people do the storytelling, and when you do that they're going to use their, their ideas and their narratives and not, you know, why yeah. would No, absolutely. And it ties so nicely back to the original point, which is, you know, I think we can do such good in cultural ambassadorship through creating great minds scientifically in terms of medicine, but those people are only going to have a very limited reach. But if you create great art as a culture, that has a global reach that has, you know, a, a sort of a viral reach that that is going to far exceed the capabilities of even, you know, putting out the best doctors. I mean, there's no doubt that Pakistan puts out fantastic doctors. I mean, every year we import them by the busload to America, yet their ability to combat our public relations crisis is only, uh, you know, uh, so far as, as how many patients they can interact with. You know, there isn't that sort of global scale, but you have, you know, something like a cultural sort of ambassador like Coke Studios or, or some of the things that we've really invested in culture. And those things transcend the abilities of, of what, you know, a hundred good doctors could do or even a thousand good doctors could do. And I'm not, you know, criticizing doctors, I'm, I'm one of them, but, you know, I, I think that there, there's a real, like you said, a missed opportunity in Pakistan to celebrate the the value and importance of, of our artists, whether it be people who are writing, you know, poetry or writing prose, people who are performing, whether it be music or, or theater. Um, you know, uh, food is such a way for us to relate to other cultures. You know, you may have never gone to Mexico, but you, you know what a taco is and a burrito. Um, or you've never been to China, but you know, Chinese food is your favorite, uh, you know, non-Pakistani food. So those are great ways for us to create ambassadorship with other cultures. And, and I think if, if we were really disturbed by the way that Pakistan is perceived globally, then we really need to rethink how we uh, approach that. And it's not by creating more PhDs or MDs or, or engineers. While we should still do that, I certainly don't think there's ever going to be a time where aunties and uncles don't create MDs and, and, and uh, uh, engineers and, 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 and the such. But I think 
what needs to happen is to recognize if you have um, that talent that's 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 brewing the the, the talent for art or uh, uh, you know any of the performances uh, that we should nurture that in the same way we would nurture somebody who's got great scores uh, for you know becoming a, a, a engineer or doctor and I think that that's the big missed opportunity is that we try to take those people who who've got beautiful talents and 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 strip it away and, and try to redirect it into something that maybe they're not interested in and so um you know that's that's why I think uh, um, being a person of, of integrating those two things, I can speak to that. You know, I think that um, oftentimes people say, I've heard many times artists kind of uh, um, complain that they're not taken seriously. Uh, their craft is not taken seriously. And I, I can say someone who's done both sides, who's gone to medical school and who's seen the artistic world, I can say there's nothing that's easier about the artistic world that, uh, uh, you know, uh, that would make it simple for a doctor to just switch. No, it's, it's actually very, it's very difficult. And, and the same effort that somebody puts into becoming a physician, I think is the same uh, hard work and blood, sweat, and tears that people put in towards their artistic crafts. And we should, we should support that. Um, so just share, um, I know when we spoke, when you were starting out, that you had this one series that was focused with the, the you know, with themes and uh, inspiration and characters from the Mughal uh, period. But now you've obviously diversified. You did something uh, during that Trump period as well. <laughs> so just share the number of series you have done and sort of what sort of things go into you, the character development. Uh, do yeah. you single-handedly? Do you have a team? How does how does all that work? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So um, uh, my first series, which I think some of you might be familiar is isn't done, which is I sort of like, actually my my um, uh, marquee series, the one that really, I think, you know, I put most of my investment in. And that is, um, you know, a, a true sort of passion project. All of them are, but that was sort of like the most authentically just, you know, wanting to get the message out and, and create a world of fantasy in, in sort of the Mughal Empire. Um, after that, you know, right around um, 2016, we had the sort of, I would say, uh, international disaster of Trump uh, in the United States, and and that created a lot of um, uh, anger, you know, as as a as a Pakistani American who is watching this person uh, uh, fan the flames of racism and 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 bigotry, and 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 bring out all the ugly ugliness in America. And so at that time, I, I was feeling very frustrated. Like, what can I do? Um, I think much like you know, you guys are going through in in, in Pakistan right now with sort of the political upheaval. And, and, um, and I said, uh, hey, let me sort of use this sort of side talent and hobby to, to express and put into words what I was feeling in a way that people could see. And so created this political satire called The Incapable Trump, which is a play on The Incredible Hulk, um, a, a very sort of famous Marvel uh, series. And, and it was a sort of very pointed critique at uh, Trump and, and his presidency and, and sort of all the sort of things that went into it. And it was sort of my way to to um, one, uh, I think, ex uh, express the frustration and anger, but two, as a, as a form of therapy to kind of really work through the, the feelings that we were feeling when he was in office and, and, and you know, trying to make a statement. And, and I think that's what most good art pieces do is that they try to invite you to feel something or think. And that was the sort of effort behind that. So that was a sort of a second series, which went for, four years and thank God um, that presidency ended and, and with that the series no longer needed to exist. 
so um, that that was um, the second. And then um, I've done a few other um, anthologies where it's a collection of works with others. One was um, uh, sort of the, it was called the um, uh, Black Stories Matter, which was in the sort of wake of uh, George Floyd, who was murdered by the police here in America, um, to create uh, stories that talk about how we see black people as less than human and, and then sort of talk about that and bring those stories to, to the forefront. And so that was one um, anthology and contributed to, and, and there was a few others. And then most recently, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of really fully kind of came full circle and integrated medicine and, and, and uh, comics. And I've started um, sort of an academic psychiatry series called the CL Psychiatrist, which teaches um, uh, medical students and doctors some sort of specific concepts within psychiatry using comic books as a, as a teaching tool. Um, so that's where we're at. Um, in terms of how I create the characters, a lot of it is based off of, you know, one of the things you do as a psychiatrist is you listen to stories all day. So in some ways you're kind of this uh, encyclopedia of world experiences, just based off of all the different things people have gone through. And so at some point you have a very like vast library of, of the human experience, like what things people go through, how they react, the feelings that they have. And so uh, I'm certain that that has kind of seeped into the ways I construct um, my characters. And then the other is, is to think about, you know, um, what, what am I trying to say? What is the sort of, um, uh, meaning behind the story that I'm trying to portray. And I create the characters around that to help um, advance that specific point. And I think that's one of the sort of, um, if you want to talk about fundamentals of, of art, one of the fundamentals in, in sort of writing I learned is that, you know, you have to have a sort of a message that you want to portray. And in every page or every line, you need to be thinking about how does this, uh, you know, dialogue or this interaction service that message that I'm trying to say and so sort of a, let's use that to create my characters and that how are these characters in this story um helping progress that message that I'm saying and so that's how I construct them <clears throat> um, so what has been the reaction so far the reaction's been amazing you know um one of the things that I think has been most exciting is that um uh the reaction from the non desi community uh, because we do our, uh, we present at New York Comic Con, which is basically the, the second biggest um, comic convention after San Diego Comic Con. Um, and I can't tell you how many people come up to me and, and, and are excited to see these types of characters for the same reasons that, you know, you and I might enjoy it, which is, it shows a different part of the world. It shows, you know, the beauty and, and the culture of, of um, Pakistan and, and the Indus Valley. Um, but people are so excited all different, you know, the black community is, is probably one of the most supportive. Uh, then you have people who are also from, let's say, um, Latin America or people who have, um, uh, you know, ties to Far East Asia. They also all resonate with this. Um, interestingly enough, the, the Pakistani community is, is definitely supportive, but not as supportive as I, I had expected. Um, and, you know, there's some people who even say, hey, I, I teach, uh, you know, I, uh, history and and um, the Mughal era is my favorite and and I'm just so blown away that you know somebody would even know um and that's it that the the uh the feedback hasn't always been that you know glowingly uh, supportive some people you know I, I remember the first time I, I had a, a a booth set up at a convention and it said the Mughals are coming which is to kind of um uh preview the the series that was coming and I, I remember one family came by and they said 
oh, the muggles are coming. It's a new Harry Potter series. And I felt so, I felt so bad. I, you know, I was like, uh, they don't even know who, who the muggles are, but um, it was okay. That was like probably the, 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 the le least supportive feedback I've had. Nobody has been uh, sort of overtly hostile about it. Everybody's been really um, amazing and excited and supportive. And it feels great, particularly, I think, you know, I'll, I'll say this one time, um, I was at uh, UPNO, which is, you know, the, uh, the Pakistani physician um, meeting in, in, in America. And uh, I was doing a little talk about it. And I had some of our characters, we have these uh, 10 foot tall banners of our characters, real big, you know, in the same way you might see Spider-Man outside a movie theater. And um, I remember seeing a small Pakistani boy who was so impressed with the characters because they looked like him. And uh, he turned to his mom and he said, can they come to my birthday party? And that was probably the greatest feedback I've ever had to, to see this sort of like light um, in his eyes when he saw characters that look like him and to be excited to bring them to his birthday party in the way you might want Spider-Man or, or you, know, you know, Batman to show up at your birthday party. And so that felt really good. And I felt like something that, you know, I would have liked when I was his age to, to have the opportunity to, to have. So, you know, I'm just excited to, to be a part of the movement towards having this type of representation where it will be, you know, very normal for us to see characters like this, um, not only in comics, but hopefully in all over Netflix and movies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so just uh, let's talk about, you know, your latest series, which is the mental health uh, one where you actually brought in your, uh, profession and sort of gelled it and you know it's just uh, obviously you are a, a, a psychiatrist so obviously I don't have to say what inspired you but uh, given the now finally uh, I can speak from the Pakistani perspective the now here as well that people have started talking about mental health obviously we have a long way to go when it comes to resources and sort of you know uh, but it's getting a little bit more de uh, destigmatized so why, why did you choose now to, you know, incorporate these two uh, aspects of your uh, life together? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, I, I think for the longest time, I still, even though I had sort of um, engaged in both of these interests, I still deeply sort of embraced this idea that they, they couldn't be mixed. They're oil and water. So I could, I could be both of these people as, a, as an individual, but I couldn't mix the two, you know, that art and science have to be sort of separate. Uh, and it wasn't until I picked up this uh, uh, volume called the Graphic Medicine Manifesto, which was a work, uh, a work piece put out by a group of, of physicians and healthcare uh, sort of uh, workers who had engaged in integrating comics and medicine, uh, you know, years before me. And they kind of come to this brilliant idea that we'll call this graphic medicine. And when I read this volume, I said, oh, my God, I mean. Why, how couldn't I think of this earlier that as a physician, I can write comics that, uh, you know, are based off of the topic of, of what I've studied my whole life to, to sort of do. And so why I chose that now, and partially because I realized, hey, this is possible. But two, um, I, a lot of what I do is as an academic psychiatrist, I teach medical students and residents here in America. And, and the biggest thing I noticed was that um, uh, teaching is, is oftentimes very um, difficult when you're assigning readings like you know in the textbook or even sort of our academic article articles because they're very sort of dense and, and oftentimes the way people consume information these days so rapidly that you know there's not really the patience or appetite for that and I was trying to think of new ways to teach my my students um, and I thought hey you know 
every time I tell them about, you know, Zindan or the incapable Trump, they're all really ears. And, and I thought, why not use that sort of um, magic that the, the comic books generate um, to help teach. And so I basically, you know, took down lectures that I've taught many, many times and I just converted them into comics. And it was so easy for me. It was so natural because I taught these things so many times, the writing just kind of flowed out of me. And so, you know, I worked with the teams and we put out these um, educational, um, you know, volumes. So that way we can help increase the sort of um, expertise in certain aspects of psychiatry for my trainees and, and, um, and my residents. Uh, are these uh, comic books, specifically the mental health series, uh, available for general public as well, or are they a bit more oh. academic focused? Yeah, they are very sort of subject focused, but they, the, that said, it's applicable to everybody. I mean, the first volume is really about um, medical decision making and how, you know, as a patient in America, particularly, there's a strong uh, support for the patient to make the decisions. Now, um, medicine and, and certainly, you know, medicine, I think, um, all over the world is a very paternalistic uh, sort of discipline where they believe the doctor knows best. And that the patient is just a, uh, you know, a passenger on the ride. Um, and in a sort of medical ethics, we have pushed back on that, you know, based off of a lot of abuse that's happened in, in healthcare, um, that, uh, you know, the patient really has to take more um, uh, centered role in their decision making, and it shouldn't be the physicians forcing that on them. And so this talks about sort of how we as psychiatrists within the mental health field address the issue of autonomy or decision making. But while it's focused sort of on that assessment, it is available to everybody, I think, to inform themselves. And I, I hope that I wrote it in a way that most people can understand. Um, recently, I went to the University of Chicago to present this in their graphic medicine um, course, which is for undergraduates. So people who are not in the medical field yet. Um, and they seem to uh, be able to conceptualize and, and understand the topics very well. Um, and, and I think they felt it was very applicable. Um, just to sort of pop culture side note, you know, there's that big free Britney movement, which, you know, was successful this past year. And this deals with the issues of uh, guardianship and capacity, you know, where people's decision making can be taken away from them. And so I think it is applicable or uh, available to a wide audience. That even your mental health series is, uh, you know, is something that the local, uh, a general uh, audience can um, understand. So, uh, where can people actually uh, access your works? You can share both within America and outside, and also share if it's just in the hard copy version or are there digital forms for it as well? Yeah, absolutely. No. Um, so, in terms of Zindan, Zindan is available on our website, www.thelastunsars.com. Um, if you Google Zindan comic book, it should lead you there. Uh, it's uh, available on Comixology, which is an app, um, Amazon-based app that uh, allows you to read it digitally. Uh, you can buy in uh, print in the U.S., but outside the U.S., we don't have it um, available in print yet. Um, we do have uh, The Incapable Trump is one of these um, books that's available on an Android app. You can download it, I think, um, and you can read it digitally through there. And then the CL Psychiatrist, which is the psych uh, text, that is available on Amazon. Uh, both, it will only print right now, but I think it uh, ships uh, virtually anywhere that Amazon is uh, available. Um, that said, if you're ever running into trouble um, 
accessing, uh, just have uh, shoot me an email. I'm available, uh, you know, throughout social media. Uh, direct message me on Instagram, and and I'll figure out a way that we can get get it to you. So um, definitely want to make sure that just it's available. So if anybody has um, interest and, and isn't able to find it through sort of like the traditional methods, just let me know, and, and I'll figure out a way we can get you. Uh, I think it's important that you know. Um, because comic books and a lot of some people are doing animation and comic work in Pakistan as well. And it's something, uh, the work is very diverse and very interesting. So I'm pretty sure this should be a very good addition, you know, for inspiration uh, sake as well, because uh, so, sort of work I have come across so far is a bit more contemporary. It's like the Miss uh, Marvel uh, sort of format, which is good and which is needed as well, because, uh, but I think this, the, the Zindan uh, angle, the storytelling, that's pretty unique and sort of, because obviously living in Lahore, you know, the, the wall city and it's done to death, but you know, this is a very unique, uh, from what I saw, it was a very unique uh, angle to uh, Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, I hope that other people are inspired to do the same. You know, we have such great history, uh, you know, in, in the area uh, and even, you don't need to go that far back. I mean, you could just go back to the seventies of Pakistan, you know, and, and sort of, um, it's, it's something that always, I think, uh, distance and time gives you a little bit of psychological distance to offer more sort of pointed critique. So if you are cr criticizing the current era, you might get sort of wrapped in people's emotions and politics, but if you split and then you say, okay, I'm going to critique what happened 30 years ago, or maybe 100 years ago, or, or discuss what happened 200 or 300 years ago. People are much more tolerant and, and able to sort of uh, palette that. And I think it's a, it's a great way for us to maybe even have modern discussions, but disguised in historical problems. And you see that when some of the best sort of literary works where, where you know, even uh, Shakespeare, which was written, you know, <laughs> a long time ago, uh, still can be a vehicle to critique what's going on more modernly, you know, contemporarily. So that I think is, is one of the sort of like uh, subtle and neat tricks of literature and in art that you can do, which is you can disguise critiques of things in other sort of eras or, or mediums of art uh, and that fosters the conversation and discussion about something that you want to, to sort of bring up. Definitely, definitely. I think uh, some of the key uh, issues or problems that humanity has been facing, I think they, they, they were there, they're still there, but they're just sort of, you know, they have different angles and more maybe tech oriented or whatever, but definitely that's something that's very, very interesting way of uh, storytelling. Um, lastly, uh, before uh, we go, what are your future plans? What can we expect? More comics? Do you have any ideas? ideas in mind, maybe if you're traveling to Pakistan, any way of, you know, interacting with some art schools here, what's on? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think um, <clears throat> number one is, uh, obviously we're still putting out uh, Zindan, so that's one of the things that we're gonna continue. Uh, the Incapable Trump is paused right now. Um, you know, it will, it may relaunch when, um, uh, you know, Trump seeks his re-election. So when, when he gets back on Twitter, I think that that will be. Yeah, yeah, that might be the time to restart it. So you know, we do have to to save our our uh, firepower for for when he returns. But um, yeah, that's definitely there. Um, the seal psychiatrist. Uh, you know, I'm going to kind of continue the, my um, work with them, uh, creating volumes to teach uh, concepts uh, using comics. And actually, recently, this is sort of like. Um, 
uh, first sneak peek of some new information that uh, I'm working with uh, one of my old colleagues to do uh, a new graphic novel on uh, transplant. Um, you know, one of my roles was as, as a transplant psychiatrist and working with organ transplantation. And so we're going to be working on uh, uh, hopefully a volume to do uh, education for the patient uh, on uh, organ transplantation and the process and what goes into it as a, as a means to kind of uh, provide you know, more comfort with the process. So that's a big thing that's uh, in sort of the works and hopefully we might see in the next year or so. Beyond that, um, I'm always excited to partner with uh, folks who are interested in art or storytelling. Um, I think a long-term interest of mine was to create like an anthology of comics that came out of Pakistan, just, you know, stories from Pakistan. And um, maybe in, in sort of... Um, like a, in, in, a, in a way of cultural sort of ambassadorship to the rest of the world to say, okay, hey, here's just, you know, lots of different artists, cartoonists, writers coming together and putting stories uh, about Pakistan or about an experience of a Pakistani um, to the world. So that's been an idea I've been kicking around for a while that I really want to do. Um, so um, if there are talented uh, artists, writers, uh, collaborators and you know the editors whatever um i'd love to get to in touch with you and try to put something together like that something that would really maybe like a love letter from pakistan to the rest of the world like you know this is us uh and and you know something that uh combats all the other sort of negative press that's out there um and so that that's one thing um i do hope to come back out to pakistan i really am interested in doing a, a tour of the northern areas uh so i want to see that um uh, but um, yeah, I'd love to come to the art schools and meet people, I think. Uh, and there was an opportunity a little while back um, with uh, CFX Comics had done something and it just the timing didn't line up. Uh, but if they're still around and they still have a plan um, uh, to to send people to different art schools, I'd love to join and, and uh, meet with folks. And I hope to attend one of the comic cons in Pakistan at some point. I've been really uh, eager to do that. Yeah, they, they started off and they, they picked, when they, I think I remember the first time it was announced, it was very exciting. Obviously, it's not as big as the comic ones we are familiar with from the, the American culture, but obviously it's a growing, uh, a growing art form. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm not really sure where CFX stands right now, but uh, in terms of, you know, growth and everything. But if you are in town, uh, we can definitely look into, you know, getting some uh, tours for art schools and- Oh, I'd love to. Students that, that can yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to uh, meet with folks. And I think, um, you know, if I leave anything, I think, um, you know, we need to support our artists uh, in the same way that we support and, and praise our, our doctors and engineers because um, they all are gonna contribute to the advancement of us. And, uh, and I think that um, it, it's been um, a sort of ugly shame that we have neglected our, our, our most creative and talented uh, sort of um, future minds. And I think that uh, if there's anything I can say, hopefully, you know, uh, we'll get to a point where you don't have to be a doctor to then be doing art. Uh, I think, I hope that one day parents and, and our society in general will see it as valuable as, a, as somebody who hasn't gone to medical school. And so, um, I know that right now this is sort of like the transition where you have to have one foot here and then one foot there to be sort of like accepted. And I, and I hope that uh, we can get to the point where we can really just say, hey, 
it's fantastic that you went into art or it's fantastic you went into music or fantastic you went into theater. We, we want to celebrate and appreciate and support you and nurture you for that in and of itself um, in the way that we've done for doctors and, and engineers and, and the likes. Uh, on this positive note and hopeful note, uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, hopefully we'll be in touch and whenever you, uh, you, you, a new series is out, we would like to uh, invite you back and get into a deep dive into more. Of course. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. And, and, and I really appreciate the podcast you're doing for, uh, for the diaspora and in Pakistan. It's, uh, it's amazing. Thank you so much.